And Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you for the gift that you gave us in Christ Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the voices that you have given us to sing your praise. We thank you for the young ones that demonstrate to us how to do so in a very pure manner. Lord, we praise you for this time. We pray for Michael as he gives his teaching. We pray for the words that come from him that, Lord, you have placed so that we might walk away from here today changed because of the power of the word. And, Lord, we are reminded that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And, Lord, that's what we celebrate is that way that was made for us by the birth of Christ Jesus. Lord, we give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. And at this time, our elementary and preschool can be dismissed to their classes across the hall. And uh, this morning be a little different than normal. We have some audience participation, which is different than audience precipitation. And uh, Phil, if if you'll leave it blank. And then as we participate, there'll be a slide that goes with, with each thing as we go along. You can uh, be opening to the book of Ephesians this morning. That's where we're going to start. The book of Ephesians, uh, and we're going to look at various verses in the first three chapters. If you need a bulletin, raise your hand and Bo would be happy to give you one. Ephesians chapter 1 is where we will start. When it is time to open presents, whether that's Christmas or a birthday or any kind of celebration, uh, where is everybody's eyes usually focused? On the person opening the present, right? But have you ever watched the person who gave the present? Often there's as much joy in their eyes as in the eyes of the person who's opening it up especially if they've done a really good job of of keeping it secret. If they've done a really good job of making sure no one's going to know what this is, but they are going to love it. They didn't just ask, say, well, what are some things you'd like and, and pick something off the list? No, this is one of those special presents that the person receiving didn't expect, but's going to love. And so if you watch that person's eyes, if they've kept a good secret, the person giving the present is often as joyful and as excited as the person opening the present. It's because it's fun to give. But I have a confession. I already know my favorite gift this Christmas. Not because it's something that's going to be wrapped. In, In fact, I know what it is because... It's not going to be wrapped. We have company coming. My mom will be here for Christmas and Dana's sister will be here after Christmas. And that's the best gift that that we could have. Better than anything that would be under the tree or in a stocking somewhere. Um, Okay, confession time. How many of you have gone into the closet as a kid or unwrapped something 
and then rewrapped it later. Anybody? There's a few honest people that have done that. <laughs> now, the kids aren't supposed to raise their hands because your parents are in the room, but there's some adults that have done that, I'm sure, right? This Christmas, I don't have to do that because I know what's, I know what's coming. But, you know, even though that's the best gift, having company come, that won't be the only gift. And I'm not talking about those things that are under the tree. I'm talking about those other gifts that will be a result of that first gift of, of company coming. See, because my mom and Diana's sister and her family are going to be here, that gift of their presence will lead to other gifts. It will lead to conversations that are encouraging. It will lead to us getting to know each other better. You think that may seem strange. She's been my mom all my life, but more conversations will get to know each other better. She'll learn something about us in this new environment. We'll learn something about them as they've traveled halfway across the country. And those gifts, those extra gifts that are made possible by the the one gift of their present might be surprising. We don't know what those are. We can't tell what those will be yet. But I trust there will be some. That's sort of like the incarnation. There was the greatest gift, the one that you and I all needed, the one that we really wanted, even if we didn't know we wanted it, when God sent His Son to earth to take on flesh, to ultimately die for us. But that one gift led to a whole host of others that we probably didn't even realize that we needed Because Jesus came to earth, because He showed up, that allowed us to get to know God better and it unfolded for us, unwrapped for us, a host of other presents, other gifts. This morning, we're going to open some of those gifts this morning. There are a select few of you who have a present near you and on the bottom is a number and when I call that number, what I'd like you to do is Open that present, and inside there's something I'd like for you to read for us, and and we'll talk about. Now, just because the person opening the present is the one opening it, please don't think that present is only for them. It's for all of us. All of us who have believed on the crucified and risen Lord, who've accepted Him. When, when those presents are opened and, and those things are read, keep in mind that that is a gift for you based on what God has done by sending His Son, that greatest gift. And you can choose to, to turn and look at the person reading as they open that gift. There may be some delight in their eyes as they read those words. Or you might choose to focus your mind's eye on the giver of those gifts, the Heavenly Father. And, and picture, imagine the delight on his face as you're either re-reminded of something you already knew or, or maybe learned something for the first time. A gift that God really has given 
you. Paul begins in Ephesians by saying, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Um, Maybe we might say, who has blessed us with every spiritual gift. Uh, By that I don't mean the the spiritual gifts we read about in certain places, but these blessings are are presents. They are gifts. And we're going to discover or rediscover some of those this morning. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you for your word, and I pray that as we continue to look at it, you would encourage us, remind us of your love, and strengthen us for the task that you've called us to. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. So if you have present number one this morning, would you open that and read for us? Father chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him. In love He had predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intention of His will. Ephesians 1, 4, and 5. There's a, a lot there theologically. What I'd like to focus on is the fact that God adopted us. Um, Your birth certificate has changed. I'm not sure if you're aware or not, but in in most states, when a child is adopted, they actually change the birth certificate. The birth father's name is removed and the adopted father's name is added. The birth mother's name is removed and the birth mother's name is added. It's actually like you become someone else. And the scriptures tell us that because of what Christ has done, God has adopted you. You have been, in a sense, brought into a new family. Whether you feel like you had wonderful parents or lousy parents or somewhere in between is is irrelevant in one sense because you have a, a new heavenly father who loves you and cares for you and has chosen to take that certificate and and write your name. You you can look at that and, and where it says the church, the bride of Christ or children of God, you can put your name there because of what Christ did. You've been adopted. Your identity has changed, so to speak. It's a wonderful gift that He has given us after that first gift, because of that first gift. If you have present number two, would you please open that for us? I have to apologize for this next one. It will date me and some of you. Some of you have no idea what that is. 
but but there are several of you who do. Um, what are those? Those are SNH green stamps. Now, um, when I was little, we would go to the grocery store, and my mom would buy things. And the lady at the counter, where there's this machine, and she would dial in how much money she spent, and these little green stamps would come out. And we would go home, and my mother would give me a little book, called an SNH green stamp book, and you would lick those, or if she was nice, she'd get a sponge and wet it, and you'd paste those things in the book. And then when the book was full, you could take it to an SNH green stamp. Redemption Center, and you could get things. You could take your book that you've been saving, and you could give them the book, which was just full of green stickers, and they'd give you all kind of stuff. Uh, my mom often redeemed those for things like dishes and stuff for the kitchen, but one time I got a football. Uh, now, that's minor compared to what God has done because of the Incarnation. He has redeemed us. He exchanged, in a sense, His Son. Christ took on your sins and mine, and we were redeemed. We were purchased, in a sense. We were bought back. God took His book and turned it in and said, I want you and you and you and you and you. And his book was big enough, or he had enough of those, because his son was fully God. Christ was infinite. Christ had all the characteristics of the Father. And because his book was infinite, he was able to give his son and redeem me and you and you and you and you. He didn't have to, to think, well, I can't get that this time. Maybe I'll get it next time. Everybody. He was able to redeem all those that he wanted. Present number Had some help from my daughter, so if the ones that are difficult to open, we'll, we'll blame her for that. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will. Ephesians 1, 8 and 9. You and I live in a, an interesting time. For hundreds, thousands of years, people saw God dimly. People interacted with God through a priest. People heard from God through a prophet. Truth, not that God didn't speak truth, but in a sense it was veiled. It was, they were always looking for the next thing, the Messiah. You and I have the, wonderful privilege of being born into a time when that mystery, that, that hiddenness of God's plan has been revealed. When they read those words, which you can barely read, He was despised and 
forsaken. Surely our griefs he himself bore. And they scratched their heads and wondered what Isaiah was talking about. We know what he was talking about. We can look back in through this book and we can see the wonderful, marvelous, amazing promises of God that all came true in Jesus Christ. The assurance that what God said He will do because what God said He has already done. And we can rejoice in that. What a wonderful gift to have. Assurance. And, and hope as we look to His second coming that as we read the numerous promises in here who have, that have come true, that we serve a God we can trust. The mystery has been revealed, laid bare, open for us. Number four, please. Rebecca. A seal from a king in the olden days, they would drip some wax and take the ring and, and put a mark. Or maybe he would have a, a staff and the end of that staff he'd put a, a mark. A seal signified a, a couple of things. Number one, it signified protection. Where this seal is, that's, the, that's in a sense the, the king and he will back up whatever he is sealed. It also signified authority. What I have put my seal on is mine and nobody else better touch it. I'm reminded of the story when David had committed adultery with Bathsheba and then he called for Uriah and then Uriah didn't do what he wanted him to do and so he was going to have Uriah killed in battle to cover up for his misdeeds. And so he sent the letter that authorized Uriah's death with Uriah back to his general. Undoubtedly, David had sealed that with his ring. And so if something was missing, when the letter got back to the general, he would know and there'd be trouble. This letter went with the authority and, in a sense, the protection of, of King David. Nothing could touch what's inside that letter. You and I have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Nothing can touch us without God's permission. He is protecting us and He has the authority to back that up. Another one of the gifts from the Incarnation. When Jesus came to earth is that we have been sealed by God. His Holy Spirit has placed a stamp on us. You are mine. And that's a guarantee 
of our inheritance, of what is to come, of that future glorious, wonderful reuniting with our Heavenly Father one day. And now I've lost track. One, two, three, four, five. We're on five. Some of you probably can count better than I can. Probably my two favorite words in Scripture, but God. Our condition, but God. And the gift is, it's not just that we have this future hope. It's not just that, okay, one day everything will be made right. We were dead, past tense, and He has made us alive. It's already happened, right? That was our condition. All of us just piled up. So dead, in fact, that you can't even see any mounds anymore. It's just flat. You can't even see any names or words on the gravestone. We just were dead. There's nothing left. It's all, any memory, any, anything worthwhile has all been worn away. But the gift, the ultimate gift of His Son, changed all that. We were dead and now we're alive. We have the ability to hear from God. We have the ability to come into God's presence as people who are alive and redeemed. We have the ability to speak truth into one another's lives. We have the ability to discern right from wrong. We have the ability to choose right from wrong. You have the ability to make a choice to be obedient to your Heavenly Father where beforehand you didn't have that choice because you were dead. But that gift, that extra gift, comes from the fact that He sent His Son, that first gift. Number six, please. Now, in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Ephesians 2, verse 13. We ought not think of being far away as distance. Probably more along the lines of ability. It would be like standing against this... 200, 300 foot high solid rock wall and going, I want to get to the other side. You're far away from the other side if you're on this side of that rock wall because you don't have the ability to get over and around. You were far away. There was something in the way of you coming to God, and that was your sin. But that gift, that first gift, in a sense, didn't just knock a hole in the wall. It moved it. 
it moved the hindrance out of the way. The hindrance being, think about it this way, before Christ came to come to God, you would have first needed to become Jewish. And then follow those rules and regulations to to get near to God. Some people chose to do that, but if I said to you, for you to get to know the God of the universe, you need to become Japanese. Uh, You need to learn the culture. You need to learn the language. You need to learn their dress, their styles, their way of eating. And you need to go there. Now, granted, some of you may have thought, yeah, I need to know God and I'm going to try to do all of those things. I'm going to try to become Japanese. You may have began to learn the language. You may have began to learn the dress. You may have saved your money and bought an airplane ticket. There were some people in the old times that did that who tried to become Jewish. But most of us would have said, ah, it's too much trouble. It's too difficult. I can't learn that language. I don't have the money to go to Japan, and I like where I live. Whether we want to admit it or not, most of us wouldn't have made the effort. Couldn't have made the effort. Wouldn't have known to made the effort. We were far off. But because of Christ, He has brought us near. He's removed the impediment out of the way. The wall is gone. And we have access to the Father through Jesus Christ, through His blood. Are we on? Was that seven? Are we on eight? Oh, we're on seven now. I'm glad someone's keeping track. priests, no more sacrifices. We have our access to the Father. We can come into His presence, me singly, you singly, us together, because of that gift. He sent His Son, that Son who eventually died, and His blood made a way for us to come into God's presence. I mean, yeah... Life would have continued to work out okay, I suppose, if we brought our sacrifices and and went through the priest and had him tell us what to do. But where would you rather be? Isn't that a wonderful gift that you don't have to depend on me or anybody else to approach your Heavenly Father? Is that not a wonderful gift? Maybe unexpected maybe surprising to those Jews back in that day who were so used to doing the same thing over and over again and all of a sudden they wake up one day and because of the death and resurrection of Christ I can can approach the Father because of what Jesus did. I don't have to go to the temple. I don't have to bring a sacrifice. I don't have to depend upon a priest. It's, it's really as 
simple as taking a key and opening a lock. It's believing in the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior. We have access to Him. Surprising gift, a wonderful gift, an amazing gift based on the first gift, the greatest gift of His Son. Number eight. stranger, an alien, is one who is on this side of the fence and, and looks through and says, I want that. It's fuzzy. I, I can't really tell, but I want it. I want to be on the other side, but there's a fence or a door, something barring the way. And Paul says, you're no longer strangers and aliens. The door is been removed, the gate has been opened, the fence has been torn down. And what's even better, not only are you now citizens, right, we're all citizens of this country, and so we have certain privileges and rights and responsibilities that go with that, but he said, it's not just that you're a citizen, you're part of the king's own household. Now, we don't live in a kingdom. We live in a republic. And we change presidents here and there. And depending upon whose president is, you may or may not want to eat at his table. But in a kingdom, the king, to be, to be invited to be a part of the king's table was a high honor. Number one, it means you had favor. It, was, it means you weren't going to go hungry. It means you were going to be well protected. Uh, think of when David wanting to do his friend Jonathan a favor, took his son and brought him and made him a part of his table. He came and says, I'm not worthy to be a part of your table. Just, you know, I mean, I'd be willing to stay in the city, but I'm not worthy of all that. And he became a, a protected, loved member of David's household. It's not just that you're a citizen. You're part of the family. You get to sit down at the table with God on a regular basis. A wonderful gift, maybe surprising, maybe unexpected. Maybe all you had hoped for when you realized that God offered you salvation was, I just get to, you've heard the phrase, I just get to sneak under the gate, right? There's not sneaking under the gate. If you're His, you get to sit at the table. It's not like you're on the outside just peeking in the window. It looks good. I'm happy to be in heaven. The meal looks good, but I'm, I'm just happy that I'm here. No, you're part of the household. You get to sit at the table because of what Christ did. There are lots of other gifts in Ephesians, I would encourage you to read through those first three chapters. I've skipped several. But there's one more that I don't have a picture for, and, and you'll see why in a second. So who has number nine? 
In the first three chapters of Ephesians, Paul lists numerous gifts that were made possible by ultimately the Incarnation. He ends that section of listing gift after gift, blessing after blessing, with the words that Stuart read. Now to him who is able to do abundantly more than all that we ask or think or ask or imagine... I don't have a picture for that because if I did, God would say, well, I could do more than that. If we think of this wonderful gift that, that the incarnation could make that possible, God says, well, I, I can do abundantly beyond that. Make no mistake, we have been blessed abundantly. We've read some of those this morning, talked about some of those. There are numerous more, not only in Ephesians, but throughout this book of things that God has done for us, done for you. But what is amazing, what is beyond comprehension is, is He says, whatever your imagination can come up with, I can do more than that. And He will. We get a glimpse in Revelation of what it will be like, but I think it's just a glimpse. I don't think we truly, I know we can't, comprehend what it will be like to be in His presence. But that gift, that gift that we can't comprehend, that gift that we can't imagine, that gift that we can't even begin to think about, was made possible because... In the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law that He might redeem those who were under the law, that you and I might experience the true gift of Christmas. That we might experience a relationship with God, but also all of those things that we have talked about. Adoption and redemption and an insight into the mystery of, of what God's up to. Being brought near, being part of His household, being sit at His table, having access to the Father. All of those gifts made possible by that decision to send Him in the midst of the Roman Empire to live a life. To do what we were unable to do. To do what Adam failed at and then the rest of us failed at. To come and be obedient. And then ultimately that obedience led to his death. Which led to our life. So this Christmas season, as you open gifts, as you see people open gifts, would you remember that you have been given wonderful gifts. We encourage you as a, a family to think about some of those, to maybe spend some time in Ephesians or other places and, 
and look at some of those other blessings that God has given you that we haven't talked about this morning. Spend some time as a family and as individuals um, praising God because He has gifted us. We, we celebrate the fact that company is coming. Company came. Jesus showed up on the planet and He didn't expect us to buy Him anything. He brought it all. And there are still some waiting to be unwrapped. My prayer for you is that as you grow closer to God this week, next month, the next year, that you will experience more and more of those blessings, understand more and more of those blessings, comprehend them, and then have a great desire to share those other people. Would you pray with me, please? Father, we, we say we are indebted to you. I suppose we are, but you've paid that debt. And so we just receive freely. Father, help us to comprehend the magnitude of what you have done by sending your son as a baby. The results of that in our lives and the lives of those we love and the lives of people we haven't even met yet you will bring across our path and uh, desire for us to share the good news of Jesus Christ with. God, open our eyes to the truth of who you are and what you've done. And then, God, we ask that you would, through your Spirit, um, strengthen our will to be obedient, to seek to serve you, to honor you by our lives. Not that we would just leave here and go, oh, boy, oh, joy, Look what God has done for me. But that we would seek to honor you by living lives of integrity, living lives of joy, living lives of, that are testimonies to the world of who you are. But God, we need your strength to do even that. Even though we have been redeemed, we have been adopted, we have been changed, and we need your spirit daily to walk in a way that pleases you. So, God, we ask that you would do that for us, that you would empower us and strengthen us to be your people, that the world, the people that we come in contact with, our families, would see you in us, and they might know the joy that we know. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.